Hi, and welcome to our latest episode of Tap Talks HR. Today, I'm talking to Maureen Checker, an organizational well-being consultant and coach about how organization success is driven by the well-being of its employees. Hi, Marie. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Anthony. Thanks for inviting me. No worries at all. So let's get cracking. Uh, so why, why don't you tell us, uh, the listeners a little bit about yourself and what we actually mean by workplace well-being? Sure. Um, so a bit of background about me is that um, I have recently just left my big job, I suppose you would call it, um, working as global well-being lead. Um, not a decision that I made lightly, but decided that everything that I'd been learning um, in that role, I wanted to take that experience and share it with other organisations, some smaller organisations. Um, I was working for a big international really feel sometimes that you just want to be part of something a bit smaller and have a you know a bit more impact so um but my role gave me so much insight into the different ways that workplace well-being can be implemented um across different cultures um and yeah across different countries so um what i'm what i'm here to talk about is what I've learned about what workplace well-being is and um, what that really looks like for people and also to give people listening to this podcast an idea of how to get started with this because from the conversations that I've been um, part of over the last year or two is that people are overwhelmed with what this all means and particularly through the pandemic with how people are, how employees are starting to respond and react and the demand there is now for um, care in the workplace, employee well-being, you know, what does this mean and how do we get started? Because it can feel very overwhelming with all of this talk about mental well-being and um, holistic well-being and, you know, um, so how do we get started? So I just want to talk about some of the guiding principles that I've learned over the years um, that can really make or break this and um, and then talk through some examples of what workplace it, um, it sorry talk through some examples of well-being interventions I think I've just done some of your job there actually I think you were going to talk through all those different stages and I just got got carried away but anyway so I'll start by talking about um, what I mean by workplace well-being and you and I, Anthony, talked um, before about the difference between when I think about organisational well-being, when you talk about that, it can sometimes feel like you're talking about the success of the organisation, the, the health index of that organisation, you know, the financial well-being, perhaps, of how that organisation is performing. So what I want to define it as today is um, workplace well-being, how it feels for employees to work in this organization and so um, there are I mean there's a number of definitions that I was looking at earlier um, about you know is it the organization's ability to promote and maintain physical psychological and social well-being of its workers um, and the CIPD for example talk about healthy workplaces help people to flourish and reach their potential so it's really about creating an environment that promotes a state of well-being for its employees within that organization. So it really is talking about um, 
how the organization treats its people, what environment it creates for its people, uh, what it's like to come to work or work for this organization. Um, so that's, I guess that's the crux of it really when I'm talking about workplace wellbeing um, and um, how, to, how to really define it so that we understand what we're, we're talking about today because wellbeing has become such a priority to everybody you know, personal well-being, um, and, you know, that can take different forms for everybody, everyone's different, um, and it's, it's so important, but how do we bring that into the workplace, and, how, you know, what is the responsibility of an organisation to create well-being, um, and what's the responsibility of individuals and leaders to create that ability to um, be happy, be healthy, um have the ability to um be well i guess and do the things that, that are going to going to keep you well so um i think it's quite for me it's quite an interesting topic when you think about the organization's responsibility to create that environment because i think what i've seen from some well-being um I guess uh, interventions is that people organizations just think that throwing things like a webinar about well-being or let's let's talk about mental health and bring an expert in those are great things or let's throw some yoga classes on or um, give a gym membership to our employees those sorts of things can be part of creating a well-being culture but they are not the answers to a well-being culture um, so I think what what I want to help, what I think I want to help, what I know I want to help organisations with, is actually understanding what well-being means for an organisation, what its responsibilities are, and and what they can do, and that you know there's a real business case for them to be doing this. You know, it's not rocket science. It's really not rocket science, and it doesn't have to cost lots of money either you know I know budget is often something that um, isn't thrown at well-being but it doesn't it doesn't need to be either you know there's I think some things that you should prioritize um, but you know we don't we're not talking about throwing millions of pounds dollars or whatever your local currency is at, you know at this subject um, but at the end of the day you know healthier people perform better they cost less less even and uh, they cause fewer organizational risks you know happy healthy employees they're higher performers they produce more quality work they're loyal they're more motivated um people want to work people want to come to work but people want to feel motivated at work they want to feel like they have a purpose they understand what their purpose is more and more people are wanting to feel like they align with their organizations values and purpose and those things are really important and I think that to me that's workplace well-being and, and, and that's really interesting you say so many interesting things there and I, as you saw I was taking notes as you were doing <laughs> and I think there, there's there's so many factors here aren't there because well-being in some ways has emerged from the world of health and safety um, to into mm. the 21st century 
into okay well-being is to support our people being in the right mental and physical space but it's almost like a push and pull thing isn't it because actually we should actually be that thing you're saying about purpose and motivation mm-hmm. that, that almost borders on engagement doesn't it and inclusion oh, totally. yeah. so it's, it's almost yeah. like some of the most modern things we're talking about have to include well-being right at the core yeah yeah 100 percent. i think all, all of those things i mean well-being should just be part of everything that you do in an organization now and and be thought of as um part of your strategy um your vision and engagement 100 you know engaged employees are happy employees that you know and i i, I don't actually like using the term happy that much when I'm talking about well-being at work because we don't come to work specifically to be happy and happy is one of many emotions and you can be happy at work you need to be happy to see your your, um, colleagues and that's great that's all part of well-being that social interaction Um, but um, a happy workplace to me feels like the wrong thing to be focusing on it's you know when I think about um, what people need from the workplace it's it's things like um autonomy you know that's a huge a huge factor in um in well-being do they have um the competence the ability the skills to do the work that they're being asked to do you know are they being given um training to to learn the skills you know and if, you don't, if you're not feeling competent in your role, you're not going to be feeling happy and healthy and your mental well-being will suffer because, you know, you'll, you'll be feeling stressed and under pressure. So um, those, those two things are hugely important in, you know, your well-being at work. There's um, relatedness, you know, how do you, how do you relate to what you're doing? How do you relate to the people around you? Um, do you feel a sense of belonging? to where you're working you know um and beneficent as well is another one that is important and these these are all things that have come from a cross-cultural study um looking at what um what meaningful work means and if people have meaningful work they're going to be they're going to be feeling a sense of purpose they're going to that's you know which is hugely important as um you know well-being at work and So, and beneficent, sorry, it's, you know, it's it's around acts of kindness. And I think probably a lot of people have heard how being kind, how doing things for others is a huge impact on your own personal well-being. Um, so for me, that's in the workplace thinking, well, how, how am I being treated? How am I treating others? Because that's going to, you know, hugely impact the workplace well-being for yourself and the people around you. Um, so for me, those those are the those are the real cruxes I think of workplace well-being, um, in terms of what an organisation can be impacting, and um, you know, organisations, leaders, teams, you know, how do they work together um, and bring all this together? You know, that's that's for me. That's the employee experience and using things like engagement surveys and people surveys to find out from employees, you know, how, how are they actually being able to bring these things to life? Are they 
are they experiencing these things in a positive way or you know those things surveys can be an amazing place amazing way sorry tool to bring evidence and data to what you're trying to do um particularly in a well-being um when you're looking at well-being and you're looking for you know that return on investment or evidence to back up your business case of what you're trying to do and where the business is struggling what, need, what you need to be working on what you need to be prioritizing um yeah those those are really good things that you can sort of focus on um yeah no sorry i was just yeah. <laughs> and, and I, was, I was thinking it, it's um it's interesting because you talk about meaningful work as one of the drivers of well-being and of course meaningful work comes from the world of, of motivation and and you were talking about the discretionary effort around the business case and actually getting people to do more and I think that's actually I think where well-being has come of age it's moved from being that gym membership of the physical well-being into the more mental place and we can always bring a, a great sports analogy into everything can't we but if we think about as a footballer you can you can train all day every day and be really physically fit and in a good mm. well-being space but it's that mental capability that actually is the good from the great and you get teams as amazed football teams that are amazing because the manager mm. puts them in a great mental state yeah. so they and then yeah. that links back to the business the business case doesn't it because actually yeah. you can then see if you have physical well-being plus mental well-being you get great discretionary effort which will give you performance inside of organizations mm-hmm. exactly it's a so, no-brainer really <laughs> that's, a no, that's a no-brainer there's, there's, there we are. i finished the podcast it's a no-brainer um so uh, thinking about organizations see i mean everyone's on a different place in their maturity in the world of well-being but if you're really struggling with this huge concept of well-being mm-hmm. um and where does an organization kind of get started in the workplace well-being yeah so i think this is this is really where it comes down to um planning and thinking about um finding out what's actually creating um, poor well-being within your organization. And um, it's that it's, it's, it takes some digging, it does. And these um, surveys, people surveys can be a great start. They can be a great place to um, get some really good data around um, specific areas in your organization around how people are um, what, what experience people are having in the workplace. Um, I would, I'm, a, I'm personally a big fan of the more qualitative stu- uh, survey type of work, um, especially in a topic like this. I, I would suggest going and talking to people, talk to leaders, have, run some focus groups um, and, and, and just start finding out from people you know what is it that they struggle with at work what would they like to see what would they, what do they want from the organization to make this um a better place to work and it doesn't have to be done in a negative way you know i'm not sitting here saying that you know all organizations are really terrible places to work and need to you know change drastically um but there's always room for improvement there's always room for doing something better um and it's also really important to bear in mind 
the diversity within an organization um, from the individual to the team to um, you know the different lines of service potentially within an organization I think you and I Anthony talked about um, you know working in a sort of supermarket industry and how you know you might have some office workers but you've also got the shop floor workers and you've got the drivers and the warehouse you know and all of these people that can't benefit from the same types of interventions they don't have the same struggles they don't have the same um, challenges that they're facing and so it's really important to be thinking when you're doing this investigatory process getting a really diverse view from all of your organization you know representation from everybody um, but you also have to be very realistic when you're looking at all of the data um, because you can't solve everything you can't certainly can't solve everything at once you can't boil the ocean and and tackle it all because that will just be too hard so you need to sit down and do a risk assessment you need to sit down and look at what do we need to prioritize here what's what's really going to be impactful what can we tackle that might you know what are short-term solutions versus long-term solutions as well you know what do we need to be starting now but know that the actual impact of this isn't going to start to show for some time we you know we might need to rejig some whole organizational structures here might need to change how things are actually done around here um versus you know okay we need to start thinking about mental health how do we start getting people to talk about that and starting where the comfort level is within your organization um and 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 you know making small little steps towards the bigger picture so it's i think it's just um talking to your people communicate with them listen to them feedback to them keep listening to them and and let them see that you're taking action because if they don't see it then they're not going to know they're not going to feel that change is really happening you know communicate what is your what's your plan what's your vision you know how are you going to make this change why are you making this change because communication is so key to well-being for employees as well when you look at any sort of change programs those that are more successful are the ones that have people on board with them those that are um you know getting people to input into the solution are likely to be more successful so just you know keeping those channels of communication open and really listening and using your data you know your employee survey data as well as that you know um for um focus group data coming back to you as well and that's how you get started in my opinion and that's really interesting because again there's so much there isn't there and it's like we should do a podcast series rather than a podcast on this <laughs> um, but it's that that concept of the community the communication and listening just by mm. itself is a form yeah. of mental well-being to the people yeah, isn't it if, exactly. if you actually go out and seek out feedback mm -hmm. in yeah. itself that gives people the sense of yeah. people care exactly that yeah you're showing you're showing that you want to change you're showing that you want to listen and you want, yeah, you want to do things differently. You're, 
you're aware that things are not how they should be, that things could be better. Tell us, you know, tell us what your ideas are. And, and again, I think it, it, you talked about organisational structure and it just shows that actually well-being itself can come from really big um, questions that need answering about do we have the right uh, organizational design in our organization yeah. to to actually get the most out of people but I also like the fact you were talking about the different types of workers within the organization and when I've looked at engagement in the past you almost have to come out with different personas like they do in marketing yeah. design different personas to make sure that you're thinking about every different part of the mm. organization and then making sure whatever you do with well-being actually you do something with each persona so everyone gets not just all head office get all the good mm. stuff and everything and the people outside are kind of left to their own devices you've got to really think quite deeply very you? deeply so. yeah and and you know what and this is a critical time to be working with your diversity and inclusion teams um because you talk about creating personas by creating personas you are being quite quite specific about certain you know, groups of people within the organization. But you want to be really careful that by creating those personas, you're not missing someone out, that you're not creating um, an equality somewhere or, you know, someone's not going to actually be impacted in a negative way through the action that you're taking or a group of people are not going to be impacted by this. You know, it's, it's, it's you know, well-being and diversity, inclusion, they go hand in hand they're not they're not they're not something that should be tackled separately um because at the end of the day well-being is going to be different for every single person mm. it's what it to be a team that embeds well-being the individuals within that team need to all be considered and then you find a way to come together and say okay so how do we as a team take this on board and work together to be a high performing team and then the organization you know has to look at all the different teams and the individuals within it and the needs and you know organizations are diverse places everyone's everyone's very different in what they and what they need and again I think this comes again back to the question of well, what's an organization responsible for they're responsible for not causing well-being issues they're responsible for creating diverse workplaces um, and not impacting um you know the diversity of what you know people coming to work there um and but that you know yes yeah, so i'm i'm starting to ramble a little bit my brain's going a bit <laughs> but essentially what but, you're saying is they're there to build mm capability and culture that, that would exist if there was no additional help so so yeah and I love your comment about actually by setting up personas to try and make sure everyone's included how often have companies then excluded people yeah. by doing that so uh, yeah <laughs> I'm really conscious that time's moving on but I, I Is it already <laughs> but, uh, already uh, but <laughs> The, the next bit I just wanted you to see if you could help with is, can you think of a couple of examples, real tangible examples about workplace well-being initiatives, things that people could be thinking of, might not be totally right for them, but it gives them an idea. Yeah, sure. Um, before I start giving some examples, I will very quickly just touch on the 
the levels of interventions that mm -hmm. you and I will have um, been very familiar with in our in our master's um, wellbeing module. Um, but when you're thinking about interventions in the workplace, you need to be thinking there's three different levels. There's the um, primary, secondary and tertiary. And you really need to be encompassing all three to be successful. So the level one is the ideal one where you're looking at removing or reducing the source of stress to the organization, to the employee. Um, level two is learning to cope or deal with the source of the stress. So that usually comes in the form of training, um, you know, resilience training, um, active listening training, things like that. Um, and then level three, which is um, the tertiary, is around the rehabilitation. So you, at the moment, that is very common in um, employee assist programs, EAPs that provide on-site um, counselling hotlines and things like that. So your, <laughs> your ideal scenario is to be thinking of all three because then you catch everybody, you know. Um, so some examples of um, interventions that uh, people probably know quite a, a lot, but again, it's this bear in mind that these interventions might work for the many, but there might be a few that this doesn't work for. There might be certain parts of an organization that this doesn't work for, or maybe people need a bit more um, support in learning how to make this intervention work for them. So um, things like flexible working, that's, you know, it's not specifically for well-being, but it's an enabler of well-being because it allows people to have that control over their day you know um so it, it is does create um that uh what's the word i'm looking for but it, it there's a sense of autonomy to... isn't there that you spoke about <laughs> yeah. earlier yeah exactly that exactly that it, it allows for that autonomy for people to manage their own working hours and fit in their whether they want to go for a run or whether they need to do something with their kids or both, you know, you can be fit and have kids as well. Um, but, you know, it just, it just it allows you to have that flexibility around your life. Um, flexibility and hybrid working, I think, go really nicely hand in hand. Um, but the challenge that I've seen with hybrid working is where organisations are trying to mandate too much around what that looks like, you know, you can work in a flexible hybrid way, but you have to come into the office four days a week or three days a week or whatever it is. But just by mandating that, you're taking away that autonomy, that trust that people are going to, you know, make this work for them and put the hours in. In fact, I think it was this morning I read um, about the city banker, uh, not banker, sorry, city boss saying, you know, people that want to work from home, it's just so they can be part-time workers or something like that. I just thought, God, are we, there's still people like that that exist. It amazes me. Um, and yeah, and, and, and it makes me sad as well, because especially as he said, specifically the finance industry, which I thought, oh, that's, I couldn't be further from the truth than, you know, my experience of seeing how hard people work. But um, there's, there's so many things that need to be considered in those environments, helping people to create those boundaries, you know, avoiding that always on culture because people don't feel that they're trusted by their boss um, to be working. So actually they're probably working more because they're compensating for the fact their boss mm. doesn't trust them. Um, so again, this all comes down to communication and, and creating that psychological safety and your boss becoming more of a, 
a coach and an enabler of of your development and 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 there's so many um things to consider there you know helping people to be leaders in that hybrid environment how do you coach in a hybrid environment how do you create opportunities in that hybrid environment when people are working all kinds of different hours in a flexible um you know with flexible working policies in place and hybrid working policies in place how do you bring all of this together and make it work and it's and it's completely possible it is it's just different to what a lot of people are used to my experience um in my past role has always been global um you know for the last four or five years I haven't worked in the same space as my colleagues and I've had some amazing coaches as my boss um, and career coaches and you know the development opportunities are there the connectivity that was there between my colleagues you know it, these things are all very possible it's very possible to have um you know a, a great team uh, effective team uh, in that environment but it's just knowing how to do it and being open to doing things a bit differently um so these 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 interventions can be really great they can create real well-being but they can have a dark side as well that needs to be thought through and and for people to be led through or given guidance on how to do this. Um, but again, it's not going to be for everybody. And that's that's where the challenge comes in. So, so what I'm hearing is, mm. is that actually it goes back to listening to people, to gathering your data, to understanding what's needed for your people in mm -hmm. their positions, which can be quite individual. But then as you were summarizing it there, um, what I was hearing, or I was mm -hmm. making my own summary, was engagement, motivation, autonomy, trust, leadership, inclusion, coaching, and development uh, that <laughs> yeah. leads to a good team environment. So actually what we're yeah. saying is if you're going to do well-being right at a strategic level mm -hmm. then actually all those functions within the people practices need to be performing and the end result is great well-being yeah basically yeah basically right. so uh, basic um, and on, as jeremy <laughs> clarkson says on on that bombshell uh, my, my last question to you is if there is one thing that you wanted our listeners to to just think about mm. reflect upon go and do after today's podcast what would it be mm. yeah i think so i i did have two things i think now i have three things so i'm okay. going to cheat slightly i'll <laughs> say them as quickly as possible so if you if you're a business owner or a business leader then you need to you can't ignore that well-being is is something that needs to be embedded and this needs to be taken seriously and it's not something that's fluffy this is this is critical to the success of your business and you know and your team um if you are a well-being lead an hr person that's you know been given this as your as your new role or an additional role then for you, you need to get leadership on board. You need leadership sponsorship because as, as, as much as your employees want this and can do some great things um, from the ground up, if you don't have leadership buy-in and support and them taking accountability and role modeling all of this, then it's not going to, it's not going to go as far as you need it to. Um, the other thing that I just feel really passionate about is the coaching side of this. 
and how impactful coaching can be to well-being in an organization and that comes from experience and also from learning you know um just just the change that that can have to your employees day-to-day their development how they feel coming to work how they um how they perform and um and the bottom line performance that that will have on the organization as well so creating a culture of coaching will enable a culture uh, a culture of well-being and so i think those two go hand in hand as well i just think those are the key takeaways for today fantastic and um, well Marie, thanks ever so much for jumping on this podcast with me. I, I think you've raised some really interesting and important points. And for me, what it's shown is actually well-being isn't a separate track in the world of HR. It's a central mm-hmm. track. It impacts everything mm-hmm. right away yeah. from strategic decisions. So thank you ever so much for coming in and thank sharing you your for thoughts with us. Thank you No worries at all. Well, that's it for, for today. If you want to find out more about well-being and similar topics, then check out our website at tapsolutions.com. But thanks for listening and bye for now. Music.